All right, welcome to Pentecost Today USA. This is uh, one of our uh, earlier podcasts, and we're excited that you are joining us today. We have a couple of guests today, and uh, as always, I'm joined by Alicia, who is the Executive Director at Pentecost Today. Alicia, welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you, Steve. All right, fantastic. Um, folks, as uh, again, I'm going to say it over and over again. I'm, un- I'm unabashed. I'm unashamed to say this, um, but everything we do is in service to the Lord, including this podcast. This is about us finding a way to use you know technology as a tool as an instrument to continue to spread the word to continue to encourage people to come closer to christ and you know in a lot of ways share our stories and share the stories of our guests to share events that are going on and invite you to join us with that being said we all you know how we always want to start alicia yeah absolutely and we really ultimately we want to we want to not only talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the past, present, and future, but we want to be open to encounter, even as we enter into these podcasts, especially as people share their testimonies, their witness. I love Revelation 12 says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, testimony they overcame. And it goes on, but that just that piece is so powerful. So we want to just even step into this uh, action of receiving the witness um, even as our guests are proclaiming their testimonies. That's right. So, so Alicia, if you could, please, I mean, let's <laughs> start with a prayer. Please. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we bless you, we honor you. Father, we thank you for the precious gift of being able to come together from across the nation and around the world. And Father, we exalt you, and we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for inviting us into an intimate encounter with you today. And we ask that you would send your spirit now to fall afresh on us, to fill our hearts and minds, even as we have this conversation. And Father, we ask a special blessing on our guests, Dr. David Cole and Father Boniface Hicks. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Well, again, we want to thank our guests. We have two guests today, Dr. David Cole and uh, Father Boniface Hicks. Um, again, appreciate you, Father Boniface. You were on our first episode, our inaugural episode. And, uh, you know, we're, so we're kind of getting this podcast rolling here. It's been a couple episodes now. Um, our goal is, again, to keep doing this, to keep bringing people on and keep inspiring people. Um, you know, very quickly, I'm fairly new to the charismatic movement. Alicia will vouch for that. And, but as I learn more, you know, I kind of jokingly say this, but I say, where have you been all my life? And uh, mm-hmm. I hope we can catch people earlier. And, and you know what? And until we're in the ground, it's never too late to turn it around. So, again, I want to thank you again for joining us. Always we want to thank our guests. We know you're busy, and we sincerely appreciate the fact that you are taking time out of your schedule to be here with us. So, Alicia, uh, if you'd like to introduce the guests a little more, because these are two wonderful guests. I would love to. So... Father Boniface Hicks is joining us from uh, Latrobe, Pennsylvania, St. Vincent, and um, he is director of formation at St. Vincent Seminary. He also directs the Institute for Ministry Formation, among many, many other hats. Um, He is also an author, and so Father Boniface, we'll just invite you to say hello and share a few words about yourself well, it's uh, great to be with you again, uh, and uh, great to be with uh, your guest, uh, Dr. Cole. I'm really uh, humbled to be part of that conversation, and as somebody who was really uh, evangelized by evangelicals, and then uh, 
found his way into the, the Catholic Church and has really appreciated the Catholic Pentecostal dialogue. I'm happy to be with somebody who's also officially associated with that, So, but, but happy to be with you today. Absolutely. And then we also, we want to welcome you, Dr. David Cole. We are so thankful for your presence here with us, and we are excited to have you. For those who are listening, Dr. David Cole joins us from Dallas, Texas, where he is a professor at the King's University, and he, he is actually an ordained Pentecostal pastor. And Dr. Cole, if you can share with us some of your background as well. Sure, thank you. It's an honor and delight to be with you all today. I grew up about a two-hour drive north of the Ark and the Dove in northwest Pennsylvania, and um, uh, ended up graduating from high school in New York State, went to college in Oklahoma, went to seminary in California, served in uh, Oregon and Saskatchewan, Canada, and now Texas. So I've been all over the map in, uh, uh, in North America uh, enjoying being here at the King's University um, and involved also, uh, as was mentioned, in some uh, ecumenical initiatives. I've been uh, married now to my wife, Julie, for 41 years, have four adult children and eight grandchildren. So how's that for a start? <laughs> Fantastic. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, I do kind of want to, well, I, I want to start off with something, though, because um, in our first episode, we were talking to Father Boniface, and I kind of made the comment, you know, a, a lot of, I know this is not, I, I'm, and I'm, again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to challenge either one of you on this because you have a, a far more um, understanding of, of the conversion process and, and, you know, converting later in life. But again, you were a pastor in, a, in another denomination and you converted over to Catholicism. Um, when you grew up... Uh so Dr. David Cole is actually a member of the Pentecostal and Charismatic Dialogue and and is a Pentecostal, ordained a Pentecostal oh, pastor. So he's not converted to Catholicism. <laughs> but maybe, maybe after this call today, well, after our Catholic Pentecostal say, Dialogue with Father Boniface, it could, you never know. Well, okay. But so, well, but that's still, my, my question is, did you grow up with this deep faith or was mm. this something that came on later in life? Well, if you're talking to me, yes. uh, I grew up in a Methodist church, and it was an evangelical group, and they preached the gospel, and I became a believer. Uh, and it really took a while for me to go off to college and experience baptism in the Holy Spirit and really enter the charismatic renewal in a new way. And I found myself in a Pentecostal uh, denomination as a pastor, a minister. And over time, I developed an ecumenical calling that uh, has kept me bumping into all of these Catholics everywhere that love the Holy Spirit just like I do. So it's been a wonderful journey, and you all are so effective. You keep working me over here. You know, it just may happen. I may end up with a story kind part of, of the like plan. Father Boniface. Uh, this is part of the plan. I just that... wanted you to know it was kind of a trick question. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see you at the baptism on Sunday. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Dr. Cole, we, we did want to hear from you about some of your work. Your work is extraordinary um, in just bringing about this zeal for unity, for oneness in the body of Christ. And, you know, we're kind of gearing up for Jesus 2023, which is the site of the Topeka, Kansas outpouring of the Holy Spirit within 24 hours of Pope Leo XIII praying. It's also the yes. site of the 1977 Kansas City Conference with 50,000 people 
um, maybe half were Roman Catholic, the other half all different mm -hmm. communions of faith. And so we, yeah. we would love to just hear about you first about your work, and then um, we'd love to have some discussion as well with, with Father Boniface about even what led up to that moment, that January 1st, 1901 outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. Well, um, you know, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I had been really an introverted, shy guy, one who prefers to sort of hide from public view whenever possible. But the empowerment of the Spirit, the grace of the Spirit over me gave me confidence and courage, and I you know, have used my prayer language every day and learned to hear God's voice in some ways. And that, had, that led me to experience, uh, you know, explore some new frontiers in the church. And I became a Pentecostal, I became ecumenical, accepted that calling for unity in the body of Christ. And, and then geographically, you heard me going all over the map uh, in my own journey. Um, but uh, part, of, uh, part of that story for me was this, um, this ecumenical thing, where as a Pentecostal, God was calling me to pursue unity in the body of Christ, and how wonderful that I could begin to pursue unity with my Catholic brothers and sisters, as well as anybody else who entered into the charismatic renewal uh, of the 1960s after I had found sort of uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit in a Pentecostal denomination that came out of Azusa Street. But that does sort of, um, that does sort of take us back to that uh, that Topeka, Kansas question in 1901, January 1st, when Charles Parham led this Bethel Bible College group of Bible College students into seeking baptism in the Spirit, and the Spirit uh, is poured out among them, and they speak in tongues and prophesy, and crazy things happen. It causes a stir, and and Parham begins teaching on baptism in the Spirit with these what become Pentecostal manifestations uh, all over the U.S., he ends up in, in Houston, Texas, and starts the Apostolic Faith Bible College there, which is attended by William Seymour, the African-American who moves to Los Angeles and, and ushers in, really facilitates what becomes the Azusa Street Revival that causes the Pentecostal revival around the world. And, and as you mentioned, there is that connection on January 1st, 1901, between Topeka, Kansas, and uh, Pope Leo XIII, because uh, you all, you wonderful Catholic Charismatics, see uh, what happens in Topeka as a direct answer to the prayer of Pope Leo as he dedicates uh, the 20th century uh, of the global church to the person and work of the Holy Spirit as, uh, as uh, encouraged and prayed for uh, through letters and prayers by the Blessed uh, Sister Elena Guerra. So this wonderful connection between Catholics and Pentecostals around our renewal in the Holy Spirit has been something that has been just such a, a revelation to me over the last decade, decade of my life. So it's just, um, it's just delightful for me to be here with you all today. No, I greatly appreciate that. In fact, uh, I, I think I know why I'm thinking you're a Catholic, because I'm seeing you're part of the International Catholic Pentecostal Dialogue. Mm. Now, I yeah. am curious, because I, I know that, um, you know, a lot of times at Mass, you know, bishops or priests, they'll, they'll pray for, you know, the, the unification of, of all the Christian denominations. Yeah. Um, do, yes. you, do you see, and I'm not saying like, like tomorrow or something, but do you see that 
this is leading that way in some in some ways <laughs> because there is so much more dialogue. And again, this charismatic movement for a long for for a while, I was almost interpreting charismatic as being oh it's some kind of Catholic movement, and not realizing it's also mm-hmm. Protestants involved in the quote the charismatic movement. Do you see this as potentially something that's ultimately going to reunite, you know, reunite the church in some way? I mean, is this, is this going to have that kind of profound effect in your opinion? Well, Steve, uh, you're asking the $64 million question there. Um, you know, the ecumenical movement has been around for about 75 years, and there have been many people across the ecclesial spectrum who have wondered whether the ecumenical movement would lead to a structural kind of visible unity, and some have really worked hard towards that, and others have really shied away from it. And uh, some of the dialogues that that began out of Vatican II in the 1960s and 70s really had a goal of structural visible unity between churches, a reunion between churches, and certainly that could happen. But Eventually, other conversations started with evangelicals and Pentecostals and others where really the goal was more, you know, we say we're brothers and sisters in Christ. The Vatican documents uh, spells that out. Let's get to know one another. Let's stop settling for caricatures and misunderstandings about one another. Let's actually build quality relationships and see what God does. So I think our dialogue, the Pentecostal Catholic dialogue, which started in 1972, uh, really has not had a goal. Well, let's see if the Pentecostals and the Catholics will all become one church structurally and visibly. Rather, it's been, let's just spend time together. Let's learn from each other. Let's listen to each other. Let's worship and pray together and, and, and see how much we have in common and see what the Holy Spirit does. And it's been a fruitful dialogue. Will it lead to our coming closer together and be, be around the table together and in, you know, in, in fellowship together in a really uh, different way? Well, hopefully. But actually, I think many of us are pursuing unity just because it's the right thing right. to do. And not necessarily because we think that by a certain date, we're all going to be members of exactly the same, you know, structural communion. Mm -hmm. Mm. I I talked to many, many people from across the nation, asking them about the fire of renewal that blazed across Mm. the nation, specifically Mm. in the Catholic charismatic renewals. So 1960s, 70s, 80s, even into the 90s, you know, what was it like? What did it look like? You know, what was the Lord doing? And almost all of them share that there was this incredible unity that they would experience, not only as brothers and sisters in Christ, as Roman Catholic members of the body of Christ, but, but with brothers and sisters from different communions of faith, which was kind of shocking to them. Um, And that was part of their journey. And Father Boniface, we want to invite you to share maybe your thoughts on Steve's question, but also about some of what was happening in the fall of Christendom and those letters that Blessed Elena Guerra was writing to Pope Leo that really led up to that January 1st, 1901 moment. Mm. Well, thank you, Dr. Cole, for... uh already uh, I was uh, moved mm-hmm. deeply to hear you say all of those things. You know, we, uh, of course, have delighted in recognizing those connections, and uh, I, I have, uh, it was a great discovery for me also probably about 10, 10 or 15 years ago that there is that sequence of actions where the uh, sister, Blessed Elena Guerra, 
wrote to Pope Leo XIII, and I think probably all of our listeners have a sense of, well, how does that work? I mean, how many people can write to the Pope and, like, he even opens the letter and reads it, you know? And it's not, like, significantly better because it was 100 years ago, uh, probably even worse, actually. And so how does that work? And, like, did he really read her letters? Well, she sent him several letters, and he did exactly everything she asked him to do. And so there's this very interesting movement of the Holy Spirit. Why did she write to him, and why did he do what she told him to? And Mm -hmm. uh, that's already something that should cause us to marvel a little bit. And among the things that she told him to do was coming to the end of the 20th century, so in the late 1900s, she asked him to give teaching on the Holy Spirit, and so he wrote an encyclical on the Holy Spirit to establish a novena, and it's the only official, universal Catholic novena. Now, for Catholics, we're all into novenas. we got lots of novenas for lots of things, and some people are more into these than others, but there is only one official nine-day period of prayer that has been established by the Church, and really it's established in Scripture. It's the period from the Ascension to Pentecost that already uh, the Holy Spirit, that the Lord himself established when he told the apostles and disciples to go into the upper room. But uh, that Pope Leo uh, followed her direction to establish that novena. Uh, He sent letters to every bishop in the world to uh, communicate his encyclical, to establish the novena. They weren't doing it very much. Uh, Lady Guerra wrote to him again and said, you know, they're not doing this very much. You need to renew this. Uh, She said that several years later and then eventually uh, asked him to consecrate the 20th century to the Holy Spirit by praying on New Year's Day, 1901, and that's uh, to come back to what Dr. Cole already said, the beginning of the charismatic renewal in Topeka, Kansas, on uh, that day, several hours after, of course, with the time difference in Rome, the uh, the Holy Father prayed the Veni Creator, come Creator Spirit, in uh, St. Peter's Basilica. So just a, a beautiful movement and I, I love the, the idea that this really brings us together. So the Pope prayed, and the Pentecostal renewal began uh, with other Christians, uh, not structurally in the Catholic Church. And, and, so, and then we could say, I was just thinking ahead then, so then the, the Pentecostal Christians had a lot to figure out. I mean, can we say that those early days were a little bit, uh, you know, all over the place? And what is this thing? And what are we doing? And what's happening? And and it launched these movements of renewal, but it's pretty messy. And then over several decades, uh, there was a lot of stuff that was figured out. And then the Catholics stepped back in and, and reaped some of the, uh, the the wisdom and experience and knowledge uh, theological exploration, scriptural insight that had developed in those intervening decades. And, and now we're moving a little bit more uh, together, although I still see that. I, uh, you know, the, the sort of independent development of insight and practice around the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there continues to be a beautiful dialogue in some sense because we're not all using the same scripture passages, the same language, the same culture, the same worship practices, there's a, there's a value in the difference that keeps coming together in a harmony and a, and a mutual benefit, I think. And Dr. Cole, I'm going to kind of, I want to piggyback off of that because there's something very important. Obviously, there's a lot of, there's a lot of differences between the different Protestant, you know, denominations that are out there. I mean, the extreme beliefs that are, you know, body and blood mm-hmm. is just figurative to others that are 
closer to the Catholic, you know, can, mm-hmm. you know, can appreciate all these kind of, you know, traditional differences between the Catholic, you know, the Catholics and the Protestants. So I guess mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird question, but, but don't take this as, as, as argumentative. With, well, I, I, would you say that? It's like, oh boy. No, I am curious because, well, the reason I ask is, and I think, Bonifacio, I'm going to want your opinion on this as well. So the Holy Spirit comes down and he basically baptizes the Protestants with the Holy Spirit. And, and we're talking about the, 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 the 20th century. And they start speaking in tongues. And, and ultimately, you know, this kind of does filter over to the Catholics. To me, that infers that. God looks at them and says, oh, you're, all, you're all Christians. Or you're, there's something about all of you. Don't worry. I don't want to say it like this because I'm a Catholic and Father Bonap- Bonapas is going to get mad if I say this. But it's almost like God is saying, like, I don't care. Here's the Holy Spirit. Go out and do wonderful things. Go speak in tongues. Go heal people. Go prophesy. Got it. But yet you're not going to communion on Sundays. You, you, you know what I mean? And it's kind of just that, that weird differences. And that's why it kind of goes back and it says, the differences in the Christian communities, I don't know because you have this charismatic movement that is almost indifferent of the denomination, I almost say what takes precedence, if that makes sense. So your thoughts. Oh, that's a wonderful question, Steve. And, you know, when you think about uh, the connection that we're really rediscovering now between Leo the Thirteenth uh, and, uh, you know, the Pentecostal movement at the beginning of the 20th century, what you see, I think, in the in the most beautiful aspects of this story is uh, that God wanted to empower His church, and so we have the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic renewal, but He also wanted to unite His church. So isn't it interesting that it takes a, a prayer from Pope Leo uh, in Rome uh, for uh, non-Catholic uh, holiness people who become Pentecostals in Kansas— uh, to receive something that becomes a global phenomenon. If you look a few years later at the heart of the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, it was a place where there was beautiful unity uh, cr- across denominations and ecclesial families, men and women, young and old, rich and poor, every ethnicity, experiencing the Spirit together. So it was an example of the Lord bringing us together in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, unfortunately, the Pentecostal movement lost that. It didn't retain that ecumenical feature, uh, and it became quite sectarian over some of those early decades. But then you have the outpouring of the Spirit among the the Protestant and and then the Catholics uh, in the 1960s and beyond. And so see again God giving us this opportunity uh, to receive the power of the Spirit across different denominational and church lines. And I think you see the ecumenical movement leading to uh, um, John the Twenty Third uh, opening Vatican II. And at Vatican II, who visits Vatican II as an observer? David Duplessy, who, um, a, a Pentecostal, who ends up being the Pentecostal who helps uh, the Catholic Unity Office to launch the Catholic Pentecostal Dialogue. So here we are in these recent decades, finding a way to see the importance of being empowered by the Holy Spirit, alongside of the importance of us coming together in unity in whatever way we can. No, we're not at the same uh, Eucharistic table. There are things that we're not currently in full unity about, but there are many things that we are uh, encountering and experiencing one another in greater measures of unity as we all draw closer to the Lord. And I think uh, that's all very consistent with the way the Lord started this whole thing in 1901. Now, now Father Boniface, I kind of want to twist the question a little bit here because 
you know, in the gospel, and you know this better than I do, but, you know, Jesus says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will not have eternal life. Um, so now you have Protestants who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, long time ago. They're, they're speaking in tongues, you know, they're healing, they're prophesying, they're doing all these things. They've re clearly received the Holy Spirit. Now, 70 years later, 80 years later, they pass away. They never received the Eucharist. This is that fundamental question that a lot of Catholics ask. Well, can good people go to heaven if they're not Catholic? Like, do you have to be Catholic to go to heaven? And that's almost the kind of question I'm, I'm asking. So what are your thoughts on how the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I don't want to say changes the dynamics, if it does, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, That's a big one, I know. Yeah, it's good. I mean, we uh, we acknowledge. So what the what the church teaches is we we understand an ordinary path of uh, salvation and sanctification, and that's a path of the sacraments, and uh, with the, with a number of other things, but that the sacraments are part of the what we would say is the ordinary path. We don't put limits on God, so we don't say anybody who's not receiving these sacraments or is not uh, following this, what we understand is the ordinary path, the path that, that is entrusted to the Catholic Church that uh, I and, and others, uh, so as priests, for example, and bishops, the, you know, that we're uh, making available for the faithful. Um, so, of course, we, we hope for the best and we don't put, uh, we don't put any, any limits on God. And I think the evidence is so clear, you know, and this is, this is part of when we look around, it's nice to say, well, there's this abstract concept of if you don't receive the Eucharist, you don't go to heaven. But uh, clearly, the Lord Jesus is working in people who are not receiving the Eucharist. So uh, unless we're going to be sort of stubbornly blind and not acknowledge that, then we, we do acknowledge that, and we learn from and, and enter into dialogue, deeper communion with those that we are also receiving a great deal from. I mean, I, as I said to you, I'm I'm here because the, an evangelical came up to me and invited me to study the Bible with him one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, obviously, that played an essential role in my own faith journey and, and learning from and, and growing with, praying with those who are not in the visible confines of the Catholic Church is, uh, is something that continues to um, richly bless me and those that I love. So, uh, yeah, we walk together and we leave the, we leave the details up to God. So. God is not asking us to be the judge. He's right. happy to take up that role himself. He's very good at it. And uh, he just asks us to be faithful to the graces that he's given us. So again, we don't downplay the sacraments and say, oh, they don't really matter that much. No, that's what he's entrusted to me, to us, to, as, as an ordinary way of, of salvation and sanctification. But we also don't place limits and say, God can't behave in these other ways. Right. Well, that's a good point. Steve, if I could add please, to that. Please, uh, I, as a non-Catholic, uh, it, it means a great deal to me, the, the words that we see in the Vatican II documents, uh, when, when uh, members of these other non-Catholic ecclesial communi communities uh, are, are referred to as separated brethren. And, and mm -hmm. the document says that there is a real, though imperfect, communion that exists between uh, mm -hmm. Catholic Christians and, and believers for, uh, from other churches. And even though we all long for the day when we're all sharing the same Eucharistic table, and maybe, uh, you know, the miracles of the Lord will lead to us being able to do that someday, I take great comfort and in the official statements of the Catholic Church telling me that I am seen as a brother in Christ, and that uh, we actually can enjoy 
some measure of communion together. So while there's there's pain and heartache uh, in in terms of uh, uh, some of the the continued separation, there's also this great joy that we can encounter one another in in genuine Christian faith together. Well, fundamentally, we all accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, I, I'm to your to point, Father Boniface. I would never downplay the sacraments. I believe in the sacraments. I believe that is right. But I also believe that I, who am I to say who's going into heaven? That's ultimately God's decision. And there are far, I've seen far better people that weren't Catholic that were Christians. So it's like, well, I'm sorry, you didn't go to communion. You're, you're going to hell. Like, I, I don't think it works that way. Please. I, yeah. No, I think there's something, Steve, that you're kind of getting to the heart of uh, the sacrament of baptism being actualized, the sacrament of the Eucharist being actualized through that personal surrender, that personal. Uh, proclamation of faith through the actions of our thoughts, you know, our thoughts, words, and actions proclaiming our oneness with the Lord. But um, going back to what Dr. Cole shared, you know, I think, you know, the 1977 Kansas City Conference had a, um, a prophetic word with Ralph Martin proclaiming, the body of my son is broken. And he's proclaiming to a stadium filled with about 50,000 people, half are Catholic, half are all different denominations, all different communions of faith. And, you know, it's so fascinating. Preacher to the papal household, Cardinal Cantalamesa, uh, since 1980. So he, Cardinal Cantalamesa has been preacher to the papal household for Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Francis. And he was, he was there and present just as a participant at the Kansas City Conference, an Irish priest is there translating for him. And he said one of the most powerful encounters he's had with the Lord, he's at the time he's a Capuchin friar, so a Franciscan friar, and he said he's sitting there in the audience, he's looking out over brothers and sisters in Christ, and there's a plane flying over with this banner that says, Jesus is Lord. And he just had this heartfelt uh, experience of really a taste of heaven, of of this unity with brothers and sisters in Christ, and um, and went on to become a great leader, uh, really, in the ecumenical and Catholic um, dialogues, and even as an author. So so it is fascinating to see how the Lord kind of gave that gift to him and that grace to him, even as he as he entered into the experience of it, which maybe he wasn't too open to before you know, attending, <laughs> attending that, that, um, that invitation to come into uh, the grace of praying in unity in the spirit. All right. Dr. Cole and uh, Father Boniface, um, we're actually getting close to the end, but uh, I just want to give you guys a couple of uh, minutes, you know, any, I like to use the term words of wisdom, but you know, you guys have, have been, you know, experiences for a long time and, you know, uh, the mission at Pentecost today, like like your missions, is to continue, you know, to make disciples of all nations, to you know, to, to go out there and spread the gospel, and ultimately, we want people to experience this baptism in the Holy Spirit because it changes lives. You know, I'm still young on my path. I fully acknowledge that, but uh, there are people behind me and there are people in front of me. And if anything I can do to help those behind me or catch up to the people in front of me, so I ask both of you. Let's start with Dr. Cole. You know, any words, any anything you can share with our listeners? to kind of help them go out there and find a way to discover this path because it is life-changing. And, and we all want people to have their lives changed to the point where, you know, they're 
They're just not afraid. That surrender is a key word in all of this. You know, not being shy, not being embarrassed. Um, because Jesus said it, you know, if you if you deny me, I'm going to deny you. So it, it, being shy, and this is me, but I, I do think it's a form of denial because you're not surrendering. You're not trusting at that point. So Dr. Cole, start with you. What can you tell? What, what can you advise listeners that are kind of wanting to start this journey? Well, the two things that have made the biggest difference in my Christian life are number one, opening up to the grace and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to intervene in my life, to speak to me and to shape me and to transform me, and for me to trust that He can empower me, like the the, the Bible makes clear that He can. And secondly as a Spirit-baptized Christian, for me to open up and actually connect with other people, men and women, who declare that they have faith in Jesus Christ, who are different than me. Uh, The best thing that's happened to me is to to grow and become more Christ-like because of people that didn't go to my church, my congregation. Uh, they, they actually uh, have some other denomination that they're connected to, but they have actually made a huge difference in my life. And I think we can uh, fail to see how big God is because we fail to see how big His church is. My first, my first chance to go to the Catholic Pentecostal Dialogue uh, I met uh, Father Cantala Mesa, and that was life-changing. The, the Catholic co-chair of that dialogue was Father Killian McDonald, who became an ecumenical mentor of mine. And if I wasn't willing to start hanging out with people that are vastly different than me, I would have been so robbed of the blessings God had in store for me. So, so open up to the presence and power of God and open up to other believers who God's going to use in your life. Amen. Father Boniface, I'd like to hear your words of wisdom, because again, you you have a great story. You started in college, and uh, look where it's led you. So, you know, would appreciate your words for those that are listening. Yeah, and I, I just uh, love what Dr. Cole said, and uh, I just would kind of bring those two things together with uh, a courage, inviting our, our listeners to be, to have the courage to be vulnerable, and and that's uh, vulnerable to God, and and when uh, you know we use the word openness and things like that, it's an openness that's an openness to being a little out of control. It's an openness to something new. It's an openness to being out of our comfort zone. It's an openness to to real trust in what God wants to do in our lives. And so, to have that vulnerable openness, and that goes hand in hand with an openness to other people. And again, that kind of vulnerability, and I just admire Dr. Cole's courage and his witness and opening to uh, others outside of his own uh, ecclesial communion and to learn from others. And I, and I think that's the real opportunity and invitation for us today. You know, I think we, we all understand uh, that the Holy Spirit is wild, right? He's, uh, he's do, always doing new things, and we're never going to tame him, and we're not going to fit him into our boxes and categories, and we're we're not, if, if we've gotten too comfortable, then we probably have lost connection with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He's always pushing us a little farther and, and keeping us a little on our toes, because that's what lovers do. Lovers are vulnerable, and, and God is the great lover who wants to bring us into a, a communion that is more than something we can create for ourselves, or the, and is greater, more powerful than something that we can control. And so I think that's... Uh, I'm just saying basically the same thing as Dr. Cole, but just trying to use a couple different words to, to tap into the experience. It's, 
it's a little uncomfortable. It's a bit of a risk. It's vulnerable. And that's a sign that it's working if it's starting to feel that way. Amen. And we'd like to invite our listeners, if you're saying, okay, I'm listening, where do I start? Go out to the website, PentecostTodayUSA.org. Start there. We've got a lot of resources out there. Alicia, really quick before we leave, we've got a big event coming. I don't want to be remiss in mentioning Jesus 2023. So both Dr. David Cole and Father Boniface Hicks will be there at Jesus 2023. We're looking forward to both of them speaking to us. And Jesus 2023 is really, and it started out as a national leaders meeting, but we're doing something very different this year and that we are inviting people to come and it's wide open to anyone who is interested in receiving more of the Holy Spirit. So <laughs> primarily it's, it's geared toward renewal leaders, church leaders, but, but this invitation is going out to really bring in anyone who is thirsting for more. So we're excited to see you there, and um, we're very excited. All of you will have the chance to hear directly from, from Father Boniface and Dr. David Cole there at Jesus 2023. It's uh, as soon as you land on our homepage, you'll see all the details with all the speakers, all, the de- uh, all of the information you need to be able to register. We do, before we go, we want to invite um, Dr. Cole, if, if you're open to it, uh, praying for our listeners. And then if we can ask you, Father Boniface, to give us a final blessing after Dr. Cole prays. Father, we just uh, are grateful to you for your presence. And uh, I just want to lift up uh, every man, every woman uh, listening to this podcast. I thank you that you are drawing us to yourself, Lord. And as you draw us to yourself, uh, we experience your love and your grace. And so, Lord, I just ask... uh, uh, for every person listening to, uh, to, to just have grace from you, Lord, to, uh, to exercise that courage uh, that Father Boniface talked about, courage to, to do something new, courage to, uh, to open up and to trust you in new ways. Lord, uh, we know that as we open up our hearts to you, that you come and fill those places in our hearts and new things happen and we're transformed and we're never the same. So I pray that for every single person listening to this podcast, and we believe you for it together in agreement. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May that grace fill the hearts of all of our listeners to lead us all together on this path of, of holiness and sanctification. May we be more responsive, receptive to the Holy Spirit. And may Almighty God bless all of you who are listening in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And again, to our listeners, we want to thank you for tuning in. And obviously, we want to thank Dr. Cole, Father Boniface, and thank you very much for your time. Our listeners, last time I'm going to say it today, PentecostTodayUSA.org. Please go out there. We hope to see you at Jesus 2023 in Kansas City in about a month or so. So looking forward to it. Thank you all again for listening.